the most connected man in Washington. WSB's Jamie Dupree. He's on every day with Herman Cain. 1106 AM every day. Sponsored by Charter Communications on News 955 and AM 750. WSB. We are America. One voice, united We are America. We are the greatest nation in the world. A breath of fresh air. Common sense. Very impressive. He's articulate and he knows exactly what we need. Herman Cain. Herman Cain. Solutions for a better America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson filling in for Herman Cain today. He'll be back tomorrow. The phone number 877-310-2100. You can get me on Twitter and Facebook at EW Erickson. And it's that time. Jamie Dupree is here. Jamie, hadn't uh, we traded emails, but I hadn't talked to you in a while. How you doing, Eric? I'm good. How about yourself? Excellent. Uh, you know, no shortage of news this week. We just got a little urgent uh, on the AP wire a few minutes ago about an AP story. The AP has yes. filed a lawsuit against the State Department to force the release of emails and government documents uh, from Hillary Clinton's tenure as Secretary of State. They filed that this morning in the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia here. The, the AP has been requesting a Freedom of Information Act request with the State Department for five years that have gone unanswered. The, the State Department, I think it was yesterday, there was a report out that gave them an F in the way they deal with Freedom of Information Act requests. Wow. And, you know, this all sort of uh, dovetails off the uh, discovery by the Benghazi Committee in the House that there were no emails uh, with uh, a State Department address from the former Secretary of State and led to these stories the last couple of weeks about that. You know what, I was struck more than several things about uh, her news conference yesterday and that some of the uh, the reviews have just been brutal in the press yeah. up here. The, the Washington Post had a, uh, a piece by, I think it was Karen Tumulty, that started with the line, the circus is back in town, and it was meant as a jab at uh, the Clintons. And, uh, you know, they're just, uh, it's, I find it interesting, having covered the Clintons for so long, I don't expect this to bring her down or anything, but it's a replay of some of the same kinds of things from before, where we go through the same kind of not wanting to give details, drawing it out, lots of questions from reporters, from Republicans, hearings that we're going to have. It's sort of, you know, whether it was Whitewater or the Rose Law Firm or whatever, right. all these things happening again. And I just wonder for some Democrats, is, is this... Do they worry that this is what they're going to get for the next 18 months? <laughs> yes, some of them do. I've talked to them. And, yeah, and, and therefore, you take that next step. Well, is anybody going to step up? Is anybody big going to try to step up? And I, I just don't, I don't sense that. I, I do think we can agree on one thing. The Republicans have a better bench right now to run for president. I, I just think that's obvious. Yeah. But it still would seem that there is time for somebody, if they wanted to challenge and to bring it out, and it would probably be better for the Democrats, actually, to have a primary challenger for Hillary Clinton because you don't want to go untested right. for month after month after month. Primaries make you a stronger candidate. Absolutely. You're always better. I mean, go back eight years ago and you look at the early speeches of Barack Obama. They were pretty weak. 
I mean, yeah. he, and it took him a while to finally get in it, and then he found his, uh, you know, he found his footing and went from there. And I think that's true of just about every major candidate that runs. You go back and look at Mitt Romney. He was a much better candidate after a few months of taking on others rather than if he'd just been given the nomination. Yeah, you know, I've talked to, to some Democrats, and you may have talked to some of the same ones who there's not a huge enthusiasm no. at this point. There, but there, there wasn't really eight years reason. ago either. Yeah. I yeah, mean, it was wasn't. sort of like the people just said, Barack Obama, what's that guy doing? He's not going to win. He's not going to beat Hillary. Yeah. And yet there really wasn't, there's never been, I mean, look, she's got a lot of supporters. She's got a lot of critics. So that's sort of normal for politics. But she takes it to a new level in terms of, of the detractors. Now, the one warning flag I, I want to wave again for Republicans is this, and you may get this line. You know, uh, are the Republicans going to be Dan Burton again? <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, in, in all seriousness, if you go back and look through the investigations and the congressional hearings that were held during the Clinton years, whether it was Whitewater or other things, the Republicans always seemed to just overreach yes. and overplayed their hand. Now, I know a lot of people keep telling me Trey Gowdy is a really smart guy. He's, you know, he, he's no way he's going to let Hillary Clinton get away with stuff. But I've also seen in the heat of battle, sometimes members of Congress don't perform as well as they should. And Hillary Clinton is fairly experienced. Just look at the last time she came up here for the hearings. Right. The, nobody really laid a glove on her, did they? Nope. They thought they did, but they really didn't. So I'm just sort of wondering, are we going to see that? Am I, am I going to watch something happen yet again? And that's why I sort of say to people who, and I've heard from a lot of people this, uh, this past week, oh, this is, this is it for Hillary. And I say, well... I've covered this so same cycle so many times, I just wonder. Yeah, you know, at the same time, you've got a lot of Democrats on this Iran letter who are convinced, I mean, just convinced with no evidence that this plays into the hands of the Democrats. And I'm not really sure that this helps the Democrats as much as they seem to think. No, I'm not sure it, it hurts the Republicans as much or helps the Democrats. Frankly, I think it'll uh, probably be another one of those things that in another six months we won't even be uh, able to remember happened or something like right. that. At the same time, it is seen up here the Iran letter is maybe being a bit clumsy by the Republicans, that if they wanted to do something uh, else to highlight their desire to force a vote on whatever is negotiated by the president on a nuclear deal with Iran, that that they had a lot of ways to do it other than sort of an open letter to the Iranian government, which allowed the, you know, what's the age old thing? You never want to give your opponents an opening to talk about something else. Right. And that's what they did with this. If they just put out a letter, maybe send it to the president and said, hey, uh, we want to vote on whatever you do. That would have been a totally different thing than sending an open letter to the Iranian government. And again, what it allowed the Democrats to do was talk about something different and to change the subject, albeit it's still the same issue, but they were able to change the direction of the argument and... I don't think it's gone probably as well as the, some of the GOP might have thought. Well, when they it, my one that letter. concern about it, I, I don't have a substantive problem with the letter. My my issue is, it's been a useful tool for the Democrats to take the Hillary Clinton story away and focus on this instead. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I'd have to say though that uh, judging from the reaction of the news media, there's been there's been a lot of attention on both, but the Clinton thing certainly gets a lot more. Yeah, the okay, so on on the press mention here, I, I wanted to ask you this a, a minute ago. 
I have always gotten the sense, and I think this this reinforces it to me, that the media they've always loved Bill, but they're oh they're not really never been, been sold on Hillary. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and and uh, you know I think again it's a reminder. People, whenever I tell people this, that you know the Clintons really don't get along well with the news media. It's always met with oh give me a break. The the liberal media loves her, and I'm always like no, no. it doesn't work out that way. Look. These stories, and, and I'm going to keep saying this, these stories were not pushed by some obscure .com, you know, right-wing blog right. that only gets attention on talk radio. I mean, you look in the Washington Post today, it is story after story after story, all drumbeat negative type things. You look in the New York Times, it's drumbeat negative type things, whether it's on the op-ed page or the editorial page or in the regular news. You know, the... the the big media is mobilized on this one, and the big media, I think, sort of looks at this and says, you set up your own personal email server? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, you know, that has not been a kid glove kind of treatment. Now, here's the thing. I think there'll be a lot of people on the Republican side that'll, in, in a couple of weeks to a few months, will say, oh, the media's given her a pass. They haven't pushed this hard enough. They haven't done enough. You know, again, this is where I wonder, is this another one of these Clinton stories that just sort of peters out as we <laughs> as the calendar moves on? You know, James Carville said something funny on um, TV the other day about, you know, do you remember Filegate or, right, or yeah, Travelgate? Yeah. I played and all that audio things. earlier. Yeah, and, I, and I laughed when I heard that because I covered all those. I remembered all those. And I remember how at the time they were a big deal and then they go away. And it's a reminder that if you look at individual administrations, they have these little things that are always out there and yet it doesn't really bring down the person involved it was a big deal at the time but not long term okay i've got to play some audio for you please i, I got to talk about this race which is not getting a, a huge deal of attention i think it's a very big deal given some of the press reaction let's let's listen to this they say your greatest strength is also your greatest weakness i'm living proof of that i can rub people the wrong way or talk when i should listen I own that. But I'm driven to make a difference. When politics stood in the way of a full-day kindergarten or tougher gun laws, I charged ahead. And when business interests said a $13 minimum wage was too high, I didn't back down. Look, I'm not going to always get it right. But when it comes to fighting for Chicago and Chicago's future, no one's going to fight harder. Rahm Emanuel, the president's former chief of staff, in a runoff now to be mayor of Chicago in re-election. People didn't think he was going to get to the runoff. Now they're not sure he's going to get re-elected. Yeah, and, you know, this, I think also uh, we've got a Senate race developing in Maryland and a couple of other things where the progressive wing, much like the Tea Party on the mm -hmm. Republican side, sort of wants to flex their muscles and is not pleased with the people who are in charge and would like to push them out and do something else. Uh, it would certainly be seen for the president as a personal setback if Rahm Emanuel was to lose, though, you know, uh, I'm not sure it would be his fault or anything like that, the president's fault. But it is, a, uh, it is a much closer race than it should be, and it's a reminder, I think, for incumbents of both parties, again, that if you're, you know, if you're not watching 100 percent back home you can be vulnerable no matter whether you got an r after your name or a d after your name right it, it, there's a lot of i've seen it in the washington post the new york times the los angeles times several of the liberal syndicated columnists have all been pointed to this race saying if Rahm Emanuel loses it's bad for us because it means you can't th th that our base won't let us reach out to the middle anymore 
Well, listen, I'm not sure either base wants to reach out right. to the middle I don't, I don't think they do. And uh, we've seen that in our politics recently. If there's, if there's one thing that has marked my time up here on Capitol Hill since I first came up here in 1980 for my first job, it has been the disappearance of the Southern Democrat and the disappearance of the Northern, more liberal Republican. Mm-hmm. And those two little groups used to, uh, they made things look more bipartisan than they really were because, frankly, most of those Democrats from the South were Republicans, and, frankly, most of those Republicans from the North were Democrats. And now we've done away with that. And, you know, uh, just as the the Republicans have purged, for the most part, their, quote-unquote, rhinos, the Democrats have done a very good job purging the blue dogs and more, and there's very little middle ground. And what a lot of people in both parties want is a very aggressive, either to the right or to the left kind of candidate. Well, and I, I'm wondering how that's going to play out in, in the Republican primary. The polling on Jeb Bush looks like he's got a long way to go to convince Republicans, but it does seem to be early, and, and it is probably too early, uh, but it looks like it's it's shaking out to be a, a Walker versus Bush deal. I think it's, I, I really think there's three at the top right now. I think it's Walker, Rubio, and Bush. So I'm glad you say Rubio, because I totally agree with you, and I thought yeah. I was the only one. I don't think, I, and there was some polling that I was looking at yesterday some deep cross tabs that showed some good stuff for Rubio. Um, he, you know, I look at him, it was six years ago right now when he was running for the Senate, and people told him in Florida, I eh, don't do that, you're not going to win, you know, go find something else to do. Right. And he kept going. And I think that you, you can't write him off, but you can't write off Bush simply because of his money. And right. I think that is going to be a big deal in terms of establishment Republican support. Well, and I point out frequently that Romney, if you take the real clear pol- pol- politics polling average, Romney never got above 25 percent favorability until every other candidate was gone. had gone up and gone down. And, yep. and then, But he had the money to last. And I think Jeb Bush will have the money to last. Uh, Scott Walker, uh, still a little rough around the edges, but yeah. I think has a good message. Rubio is somebody that does well, but you know what? Still an awful lot of time to go. We've got to have somebody actually officially get in. <laughs> That's true. Too. We do need some declared candidates. All right, Jamie Dupree, pleasure Great as always. Great to talk to you, Eric. See you, buddy. You too. Eric Erickson in for Herman King. We'll be back with your calls. Putting big government on alert with trusted solutions for a better America. He's honest, open, and just tells it like it is. Herman King. I, I'm glad that Jamie said that about Rubio because he's my wild card right now. He really is. I'll tell you when we come back why.